blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Praying together, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord be with you. Let us pray. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior Jesus Christ and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. The Lord's people are sorry for their sins, and they ask for forgiveness. God promises upon their repentance to restore them to glory. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. 
a voice on the bare heights is heard, the plaintive weeping of Israel's children. Because they have perverted their way, they have forgotten the Lord their God. Return, O faithless children, I will heal your faithlessness. Here we come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Truly the hills are a delusion, the orgies on the mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. But from our youth, the shameful thing has devoured all for which our ancestors had labored, their flocks and their herds, their sons and their daughters. Let us lie down in our shame and let our dishonor cover us. For we have sinned against the Lord our God we and our ancestors from our youth even to this day and we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God if you return O Israel says the Lord if you return to me if you remove your abominations from my presence and do not waver and if you swear, as the Lord lives, in truth, in justice, and in uprightness, then nation shall be blessed by him, and by him they shall boast. The word of the Lord.
Christians are to be unconcerned about distinctions of statute, status, and authority. We are to serve the Lord to the best of our ability, whatever our personal circumstances. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. However that may be, let each of you lead the life that the Lord has assigned, to which God called you. This is my rule for all of the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let them not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing, but obeying the commandments of God is everything. Let each of you remain in the condition in which you were called. Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. Even if you can gain your freedom, make use of your present condition now more than ever. For whoever was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed person belonging to the Lord, just as whoever was free when called is a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of human masters. The word of the Lord. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, 
who were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. I was just thinking they used to call Episcopalians God's frozen people. <laughs> Feeling a little bit like that this morning. Good to see all of you here made your way through that terrible snowstorm that we had last night. Most families of my acquaintance have uh, certain stories that are told time and time again. They take on a certain aura of their own. One story in our family has to do with my grandmother, Gardner. It seems that many years ago, when her children, I suppose, were young adults, they decided to uh, go on an outing to the shore, someplace called Bodkins Creek. I'm not quite sure where that is, but I think it's down south of here. And um, they rented this place. And evidently, there was a small boat there uh, for their use. And they would go out on the, on the creek the creek, and enjoy the water uh, for some time. And they tried to convince my grandmother that she, too, should go out in the boat. Evidently, she was a little nervous about this, thought that was a little bit too much. But finally, they prevailed on her. And as the story goes, she walked down to the pier very tentatively, stepped out from the dock and into the boat. And just at that moment, someone we assume by accident, let go of something that they were supposed to be holding on to. And the boat began to drift away from the pier until Grandmother Gardner was there in one of these kind of things before falling face first into Bodkin Creek. Now, I, you know, I only remember my grandmother from uh, my own childhood when she was this sweet lady sitting in the rocking chair in the front parlor, but I always had this image of poor Grandma Gardner kind of doing this split and trying to keep things together. The gospel for today is a familiar story. It's the story of Jesus encountering those fishermen by the Sea of Galilee, two sets of brothers, Simon and Andrew, James and John, and he invites them to follow him. He invites them to join him on a, on a journey that will prove to be a most exciting, difficult, and interesting journey. We are told that at once, immediately, Mark says, they left their nets and they followed him. All of a sudden, they were willing to turn their backs on home, on family, on responsibility, they were willing to walk away from everything that was known and familiar and comfortable to them in this world and follow this Jesus who comes out of the Galilean hills and invites them on this journey with no plan, no program, no guarantees, no this is what we're going to do next 
just please trust me and follow me in this new way. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Every time I start one of our adult inquirers classes, I always begin by reading this passage. And I suggest to the folks in the class, as I suggest to you this morning, that at some level deep within you, where you might not even have been aware, Jesus has already spoken these words to you. Jesus has already said, come, follow me. And in some way, that invitation spoke to something deep in your own heart, some longing for a deeper, closer, more intimate relationship with the God who is the very source of your life and being. And though you may not have thought of it this morning when you got up and said, well, it's cold out, but I think I'll go to church anyway, maybe deep inside there was that invitation, come, follow me. Now, it's my experience that most of us are not like Simon and Andrew, James and John. We're not quite ready to turn our back on everything that we've known and familiar and begin this new journey with Christ. In fact, I would suggest to you this morning that Grandmother Gardner is a much more accurate image of the way most of us respond to Jesus's invitation. And by that I mean we have one foot firmly on solid ground in what we like to call the real world. You know, the world of our responsibilities, the things that we need to do, the bills that have to be paid, the children that have to be raised, all the things that we have to do, all the things that are known and familiar. One foot is secure there, trying to hold on and make sure that things are pretty well set so that we can be secure in our own place. And then another part of us, another foot, if you will, is willing and ready and anxious to respond to Jesus' invitation to a new way of living, to a fuller relationship with God, to a way of, of caring for ourselves and other people, of reaching out beyond ourselves to people in greatest need. And a part of us longs for that adventure, that journey with Christ to which we have all been invited. And we stand there with one foot in one place and the other foot in the other place, trying like Grandmother Gardner to somehow maintain a tentative balance before we fall face first into Botkin Creek. I don't know if that speaks to the way you see this, but it certainly speaks to me. The truth of this lesson, the truth of the gospel, is that walking toward a fuller life in God to which Jesus invites us also means walking away from some things that are known and familiar and comfortable to us. And all of us have difficulty when it comes down to that. We'd rather continue our precarious balancing act than make that decision which is going to involve saying goodbye and turning away from some things that we know and love and are very familiar to us. Because that's gonna shake things up. You know the person I always think about when I hear this story? Zebedee. I mean, there's poor old Zebedee. He's doing his work. He's sitting in the boat. He's mending the nets. He's got his sons there to help with the family business. Along comes Jesus, and they leave. They leave. Now, you can imagine 
that in a family and in a family business like that, everybody has had a job, right? I mean, there must have been different roles for people to take on. Somebody had to mend the nets and take care of the boats and sell the fish and keep the books and do all the things that had to be done to make that go. And all of a sudden, these people have said, well, we're leaving. And how that must have upset that entire system, that business, that family, how disorienting that must have been to everyone who was left behind. Whenever we make a decision to accept Jesus' invitation to a fuller life with God, things are going to change. And that's going to be very unsettling and disturbing to everyone because the system is going to somehow be altered. You know, you and I are part of all kinds of systems, if you think about it. Family, business, church, community. And when we decide to step into a different role, somehow everybody else has to adjust. Let's think about it just for a moment in terms of a family. What happens when that perfect little girl, the one who's always done everything she was supposed to do, the one that mom and dad delights in, suddenly decides that I'm tired of pretending to be perfect because I know in my heart I'm not. I'm going to be who I really am and I'm going to ask my parents to love and accept me as I am. That's a walking toward the fullness of life that God offers, and that's going to change the dynamics of the family and unsettle everyone. What happens when the caretaker, you know, most families have one, the person that takes care of everybody else, makes sure everybody else is okay, what happens when that person hears the call and says, you know, I kind of got lost in taking care of everybody else. What about me? What about my own need to be taken care of? And maybe people might be better off if they learned how to care for themselves better, and I just love them through it, that throws the system into a kind of disarray. I remember several years ago, a young man from the parish came to see me. Uh, he was a medical student at Hopkins, and his parents live in another part of the country. Couldn't have been more proud of him. You could have just you could see them talking to the neighbors. Yeah, our son's at Hopkins. You know, <laughs> he's going to be a doctor. They were just so proud of him, and they had every right to be. But he came in to see me, and he said. I'm going to have to go home on my break next time and tell them that I'm gay. I've known this for years, and I've never been able to tell them the truth of who I am. But if I'm going to be the person that I want to be, the person I think God wants me to be, I'm going to have to be honest with myself and with them. And that decision, the willingness to be honest about that, disrupted that family system in some very profound ways, and it took them a long time to begin to adjust to that new reality. The same thing happens in churches. All of a sudden, in a church, a person or a few people begin to say, you know, this gospel, this stuff we've been reading about and talking about all these years, this really makes sense to me. This is powerful stuff. I'm not really interested anymore in just being part of keeping the system going the way it's always gone. Just looking at the stained glass windows and enjoying the music and preserving the institution of the church isn't enough for me. I'm more interested now in what it really means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, and all the changes and chances that that's going to bring to me. And when that happens, the whole system goes out of whack, because you want to see a system that tries to preserve itself? Look at the church. See, the system will, no matter what system it is, it will always conspire to preserve and protect the status quo, things as they are. 
And the one who has the audacity to challenge that will sometimes even be attacked for that. That's why Jesus, the great disturber of the peace, the system had to quiet him. The system had to silence him because it was just too disturbing to hear what he had to say. I'm not suggesting that all of us here should walk away from the responsibilities and the roles that we now have in life. But I am suggesting that we all need to take a good look at our own lives. We need to ask ourselves, what is the role that I play in the system of my family and my church and my community? And how can I live more authentically the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can I be more authentic to the person that God calls me to be, recognizing that there will be a price to pay for that? But as we step out of that place in faith, a remarkable thing happens, and that is this new relationship grows and deepens. And we become closer to God and closer to the person that God wants us to be, and the whole circumstance of our lives can begin to shift and to change, even to the point of bringing us full circle, right back to all those roles and responsibilities. Take a look sometime at the last chapter of St. John's Gospel. No, it's the last, the 21st chapter. End of the story. They've been called out of their ordinary lives. They followed Jesus along this path. They have seen him die on a cross because he was such a threat to the system and to the status quo. And in the 21st chapter, where are they? They're right back where they started. They're right back on the Sea of Galilee, and they're all there. John makes sure that we know that. Simon, now called Andrew, is there. The sons of Zebedee are there. Everybody is back right where they started. They don't quite know what to do. So Peter says, let's go fishing. Always a good decision, I think. Let's go fishing. But you see what that means? They're right back doing what they'd always done. But then the risen Lord appears on the shore, and there is this great, enormous catch of fish. The things that we do, the roles that we play, the responsibilities that we have are somehow changed and enriched, and there is where there was scarcity, there is great abundance. There is this wonderful catch of fish. In closing, I wanted to just share one other thing about a, a good friend of mine. Many of you know her as well, uh, Vicki Sirota. Vicki is a very gifted musician and was teaching music at Yale when she had a sense of being called to ordained ministry in her case. So she went from that position and went off to seminary. She said to me, you know, it was like I had to walk away from my music. Think how painful that was, to have to walk away from something that was my whole life. So she went to seminary, and a couple years later, her husband Bob came here to run the Peabody Institute, and she came with him. She began to minister at a little church over in uh, South Park Heights, a little uh, church in a very difficult neighborhood. She put together a choir of neighborhood kids, kids that come from broken homes, kids that live with violence and addiction every single day, and they formed a little gospel choir. I've heard them sing a few times. It's not the Yale choir, but it's better. It's better because what it's really about are the lives of children that have been changed. And Vicki said to me, I had to walk away from my music, but then God gave it back to me in a new and better way. That's the promise, that if we have the trust in God 
to follow where God leads, to let go of things as we've known them and we've gotten accustomed to them, that we will, in the end, be given back all of those things, but there will be a richness, an abundance that we could have never known without God. Jesus says, I came that you might have life and have it in all its abundance. Amen. Let us stand and say together the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us offer our prayers to God, saying, In your mercy, hear us, Lord. <clears throat> you have called us, O God, to follow you. Give us the grace to listen to your call, to lay aside the things of this world, and to follow you. In your mercy, <clears throat> you have sent us, O God, into the world to tell the story of your love and faithfulness. Give us a holy zeal for the proclamation of the gospel in this place and in all the world. In your mercy, you have called us, O oh God, persons of varieties of gifts to serve your church. Bless, we pray, the ministries of musicians, and artists, of scholars and writers, of pastors and teachers, especially our own here at the cathedral, that their work enrich our common life and offer us a glimpse of the life to come. In your mercy, 
You gave life, O God, for us and for all people. We remember before you those who are sick, those who mourn, and those who rejoice. As you have reached out to us in love, so inspire us to be present to those we name now before you. We pray for all those on the cathedral prayer list, especially Frank, Doug, Hanalora, Dee, Michael, Mary, Harrison, Joe, Rush, Nicole, Donna, those we now name, especially Anne and Michael, and our homebound parishioners, especially Anna, Alma, Elise, and Margo. In the Diocese of Maryland, I just pray for the Church of St. Mary the Virgin in Baltimore, St. John's Church, Mount Washington, St. James Church, Mount Airy, for Sisters Emily Ann and Sister Eileen Joyce of All Saints Convent, the Tsukishima Church in Tokyo, Jean Tsutomu Suzuki, Rector. We pray especially for All Saints Anglican Church in Jakarta, Indonesia, Andrew Lake, the Vicar, and for all the churches burned and the Christians killed in Indonesia in recent weeks. And we give thanks for the Church of England George Carey, Archbishop of Canterbury. In your mercy, as we are faithful in prayer, O God, so make us faithful in following you, that loving and serving you all the days of our lives, we may know the joy of the resurrection and may look with longing for your coming in power. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. on you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit keep you in eternal life. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
I'm sorry, I'm not, I wasn't on. Um, if anyone knows the location of some of the audio tapes that are made here in church, we think maybe someone might have borrowed them, but uh, there have been requests for, for them, so if anyone has any information about that, uh, please let us know. Uh, I just want to say it's good to see all of you here, good to see the choir and the cathedral orchestra. I've, it's called Cathedral Concert, but it's grown, so it's, it's almost an orchestra. Good to have you guys uh, part of this today. Uh, the only real announcement I have was to mention to you that Thursday at the Tizay service, uh, we're going to have a brief informal memorial for Janet Twombly. Janet uh, worshipped as part of the Tizay community for a number of years, died recently after a long battle with leukemia, and so we will remember her Thursday. If you remember Janet and you'd like to join us, uh, please do so. That's only the only announcement I have. Catherine? My understanding is that very often what happens is homeless people come into an ER or whatever, receive a blanket, and it, it goes, right? So they're, they're right. So blankets for health care for the homeless, if you'd like, if you can help with that, uh, see Catherine. Okay. Any other announcements? Walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. 